Good morning to you, and God bless America, land that we love. Amen? What a great country this is. This morning, as we get started with this sermon, this message, as I was working to prepare this, you you need to know this is a little difficult to prepare. Uh, While I do not want to be offensive to anyone, I think there is a time when we need to Well, there's always the time we need to stand for truth and righteousness and speak out and say the things that need to be said with boldness and with certainty that God is on his throne. This nation has been blessed of God in so many wonderful ways. But as we get into this sermon, I want to remind you of Psalm 3312. Psalm 3312. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. I want you to keep that verse in mind as we go through the sermon this morning. As we do that, I want you also to keep in mind Proverbs 14, verse 34. Proverbs 14, verse 34. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Righteousness exalts a nation. The United States of America, in my opinion, and I'm sure there's a whole bunch of you out there that share this opinion, is the greatest nation on the face of the earth. It always has been. It is the most blessed nation on the face of the earth. You may say, well, why? Why? Why is it? Is it because of our capitalistic economic system, which is the best in the world? Because of our free economy? Is it because of the constitutional republic that this nation is? It's far superior than anything else ever devised. Well, I think it's those things, but it's so much more. And I believe it's because this nation was founded on the basis of biblical principles. Founded for the purpose of propagating the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. John Quincy Adams once said that the highest glory of the American Revolution was that it connected in one indissoluble bond the principles of civic or civil government and the principles of Christianity. You want to know why this nation has been so blessed of God? It is because their founding fathers had the understanding, they had the love for God, they had the desire to formulate this nation based on godly principles. And this nation has been blessed and has succeeded because of that. I get choked up singing the national anthem, especially that second verse. It's difficult to get all the way through that song without choking up. I'll never forget the time, and I think I've shared this with you before, and it still chokes me up. It, it still uh, moves me. Uh, 
when I remember, it was back in 1980. That was a long time ago. 1980, I had the opportunity to, uh, when I worked for an organization where I had to go overseas a lot, and I had the opportunity to be in Guatemala, and was in Guatemala City, and we'd been out visiting um, uh, some, several different orphanages and feeding centers and, and some very destitute areas in Guatemala City. One of the first times I'd ever been out of the country. And uh, it, was, it was an eye-opening experience. I guarantee you when I got back from that trip, we went to Venezuela, we went to Guatemala, we went to El Salvador, uh, we went to uh, Honduras and all of those countries. We, we went and visited different, uh, different projects. I guarantee you when I got back, uh, my first response was wanting to get on the ground and kiss it and praise God for this country. But I remember uh, specifically in Guatemala, I was tired, I was homesick, I missed Faye, I missed the kids. Uh, I had seen things that this boy from Alabama had never really seen before, didn't realize, you know, you hear about certain destitution and difficulty. Never heard about, I'd heard about it, but never really witnessed it. And so we got back to the hotel room and and no one had eaten all day, and everybody was hungry, and, and we didn't know well, where we were going to go eat, and there it was, it was late, and, and uh, uh, everybody was sort of depressed, and, and we said, well, let's, somebody said, well, there's a restaurant down the street, and then you take a right, and then you take another left, and then you go over this loop, and you go back over, and you know, they, the directions, uh, and, and my Spanish is really, really bad. As a matter of fact, I am probably the only student that the Spanish teacher said, Ricky, I'll pass you if you promise never to take Spanish again. Now, that's not a lie. So well, we finally got the directions, and I remember we, we, uh, we went to um, went walking down the street, and, and it was dark, and you know, dogs were barking, and, and it was just, uh, you could hear some babies crying, and, and just set the stage for you. It was, it was gloomy. It was a little frightening. And... We kept walking, and we couldn't find the restaurant. Well, were we supposed to go to the left, or were we supposed to go to the right? We're supposed to go straight ahead. Well, as we looked down the road, there was a light, kind of a bright light. There were no street lights. There was nothing else glowing except one light. And we said, well, maybe that's a restaurant. Let's go see what's going on down there. And so there were five or six of us, and we went walking toward that light, and we rounded the corner where the light was, and we looked there, and here were these gates... And in the middle of the courtyard was the American flag. It was the United States of America embassy. And I will never again forget that feeling. It was almost like going to heaven. It kind of tells me it's what heaven's going to be like, except a thousand times better. But I'll never forget that Marine standing there looked at me and said, Sir. And I, it's like, ooh, all of a sudden the fear and the concern, poof, it just vanished. It was, it was a beacon. It was a light and a destitute place. And I praise God right then and there for this country that I love. And praise God for it. I praise God for those men and women who have put their lives on the line to defend this great nation. But folks, I'm here to tell you this morning, this nation needs defending once again. Patrick Henry said a long time ago, now 
is the time for all good men to come to the aid of their country. Well, it's time for someone to say that again. And the need is not against foreign enemies. I think we're facing a much more formidable foe, much more sinister, much more dangerous enemy to our liberties. And that's politicians who don't know the difference between right and wrong. Misguided bureaucrats who weren't elected but feel like they are to rule over us. And it's a little bit frightening because I believe they have evil intent who believe that government is the answer to all of our problems, that government is our savior, not in God we trust, but in government we trust. And many of these same people have as their main objective surrender of our national sovereignty to a globalist agenda with elitist mentality we know better. I can't help but think of George Orwell's, was it 1984 or Animal Farm? can't remember. Where they said uh, all people are created equal. It's just some are more equal than others. What a, that was Animal Farm. What a dangerous what a dangerous concept that is. But folks, we have men, women today who believe that. They believe in no borders. They believe in no citizenship except of, of the world, the planet. No sovereignty. But they believe in a one-world government, a one-world economic system, a one-world religious system, and where do we get that? Have we heard of something like that coming from God's Word? You listen to them, there's a, there's a desire for a one-world government, a one-world economic system, a one-world religious system. And, and when, you, when you point out, but wait a minute, that's kind of what the Bible says is going to happen in the last days. Well, they scoff. Oh, you don't believe that Bible prophecy, do you? They scoff, they ridicule, clueless to the fact that what they're scoffing at, they're helping to bring about. That is what is so disturbing. They're oblivious to the fact that they're instrumental in bringing about what God's plan and purpose is in the end times, which I believe we are, we are there. I remember 1982, there was a book that came out, Earth in the Balance. Friends, my concern is not the earth in the balance, it's a nation that's in the balance right now. More importantly than the nation being in the balance even, there are souls in the balance. There are souls in the balance. The lighthouse that the United States of America has been with our freedom to worship, our freedom to share the gospel, our freedom to send out missionaries, our freedom to stand here and preach which I still praise God for, is the thing that has kept America free. I am convinced of it. And it needs to be guarded. It's not so much the earth that's in the balance, but I believe with the direction this nation's going, this nation's in the balance. And there are souls that are in the balance. In our society... People are worried about environmental issues. And I believe we need to be more worried about moral 
moral issues. You hear a whole lot of stuff about ozone depletion, and I'm more worried about moral depletion. And you try to point, I've got some good friends. I know I should stay off Facebook. I know I should stay off Facebook. But even friends kind of get into a, I debate, they argue. There's, I'm sure that's the way it is. I debate, they argue. But they, it, it's, it's all about the environment with them, and I, and I warn them, listen, we, yes, we, we, we want to, we're stewards of this planet. We have a responsibility to this planet. You know, I'm all for doing things uh, uh, to, to, to help this planet and, and the environment. I'm, I'm all for that. I, I want to do that. But I remind them that we're to, we're to worship the Creator, not the creation. And God has placed us here as stewards. And, and so, yes, we're to exercise that role. But when I remind them of what God's going to do in the end, that man's not going to destroy this world, by the, uh, folks. We, we've got the Scripture to tell us exactly what's coming. Oh, no, you don't believe that Scripture, do you? I do. I do believe it. That's why I am not so concerned about some of the the global warming, or is it the global cooling, or is it climate change? I can't I can't keep up. I can't keep up with which one it is. I'm sorry. Because I know there's going to be a global warming. <laughs> oh boy, is there going to be a global warming? Look at Second Peter chapter three. This is not man-made. This is God-made. Look at 2 Peter. What's going to happen? Start with verse 10. You know, these people in 2 Peter 3, they were scoffing about, where, where is this coming? He hasn't come. They've been saying he's going to come all this time. Where is he? Peter, in 2 Peter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Verse 11, seeing then that all of these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Who does this? The Lord does it. This is man. We can, we can argue and we can debate and we can get mad at one another, but let me tell you, here's what's coming. That. Look at Revelation chapter 8. And this really isn't a sermon on environmental stuff, but, but I, I want to point this out. Look at Revelation chapter 8. This is with the seventh seal has been opened in the day of the Lord. If you'd been coming on Wednesday nights, you'd know exactly what we're about to talk about. But Revelation chapter 8, the seventh seal has been opened, and as the seventh seal is, un, is, is opened... The observation of John is these uh, trumpet judgments that are coming. 
trumpet judgments from God. Not something man caused. These are trumpet judgments from God. Because of the wickedness of man. This is the day of the Lord. This is when God's wrath is poured out, undiluted. Fortunately for us, the church, the body of Christ, we've been raptured out. We're, we're in the heavenlies. But verse 7, the first angel sounded, and there followed hell and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth, and the third part of the trees was burnt up, and all green grass was burnt up. And the second angel sounded, as it were a great mountain burning with fire, was cast into the sea, and the third part of the sea became blood. That's an environmental hazard, folks. And the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and the third part of the ships were destroyed. And it goes on and on. Who, who's doing this? Who's causing this? It is God's judgment. That's what's coming. Now, do I take glee in that? Let me tell you, absolutely not. Do I love this country? I've traveled around the world. There are some beautiful places on this planet. But here's the truth of the matter. I believe God's Word. And this is God raining down His wrath and judgment in the last days. And either you believe it, like I believe it, like this church believes it, or you reject it and say, no, 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 we've got to fix it. You're not going to. Here's what you can fix. There are men and women who are dying every day without hearing the old, old story of Jesus and His love. That's what we need to be concerned about, is every second I, every breath we take, every second that passes, someone just died without Christ. And this nation has been blessed because we have sent out more missionaries. We have, we have stood in our pulpits and preached the Word of God. And God has blessed it. We have some real and serious troubles, however, in this country. And I agree with John Adams, who was the second president of the United States. I agree with John. I'm sure had I been alive then, he and I would have been just like that. I just Some of the things he said, I really appreciate. But John Adams said, It is the duty of the clergy to accommodate their discourses to the times to preach against such sins as are most prevalent and recommend such virtues as are wanted. I believe that. What we need are, we need preachers. We need pastors with the intestinal fortitude to understand all the things that are going on, to listen, to observe, and come back to God's Word to proclaim. You can quote me. That's what we're needing. The other guy that I would have been really friends with is Alexis de Tocqueville. I, I like some of the things he said. Alexis de Tocqueville. If you don't have a copy of this book, God and Country, by Bill Federer, let me, let me encourage you to get a copy of this book, America's God and Country. I'm telling you... And we've got some here, so if you, if you don't have a copy and you want a copy, let me know because we can find some for you. Bill left some here. Uh, I don't think he meant to, but he did. Uh, we have them. 
So if, you, if you're wanting a copy of this, let me know. Great book. But Alexis de Tocqueville was a Frenchman. He came over with another Frenchman, and they were supposed to go around and look at America to find out what makes America so great. What is it that makes America so good? Uh, this was in the late 1800s, or middle 1800s, actually. And this is what Alexis Tocqueville, de Tocqueville said. I sought for the key to the greatness and genius of America in her harbors, in her fertile fields and boundless forests, in her rich mines and vast world commerce, in her public school system and institutions of learning. I sought for it in her democratic congress and in her matchless constitution, not until I went into the churches of America and I heard her pulpits flame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power. America is great because America is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. That's true, folks. Well, Alexis went on to say, and I, I like this. this. To me, this is even, it equals what I just read. Christianity is the companion of liberty. Isn't that powerful? Christianity is the companion of liberty in all, in all of its conflicts. It is the cradle of its infancy and the divine source of its claims. Christianity. America is good. America is great because America is good. But folks, we need to realize that we have gone from a nation whose Congress in May 1854 declared the great vital element in our system. 1854. The great vital element in our system is the belief of our people in the pure doctrines and divine truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Try to get Congress to say that today. Good luck. Good luck. We've gone from that to a Congress debating, voting on whether or not to outlaw the sale of baby parts, aborted baby parts for scientific research. Heaven help us. Or voting on whether or not to terminate a baby's life right before it's born. Or really terminate a baby's life at any point. Right at birth. I mean, that's horrible. But at any time, in my opinion. And folks, this is where I might get in trouble, but I don't care. The abortion issue in this country has absolutely nothing to do with choice. It has everything to do with commerce. It has everything to do with bucks and people making money and utilizing the most innocent of the innocent for their own dastardly purposes. The general public is... If you think it has to do with women's right to choose, you've got another thing coming. It has to do with money, money, money. We've gone from a nation where the Supreme Court ruled in 1892. I want to show you just how far we've slipped. In 1892, 
the United States Supreme Court said this, Our laws and our institutions must necessarily be based upon and embody the teachings of the Redeemer of mankind. It is impossible that it should be otherwise. And in this sense and to the extent our civilization and our institutions are emphatically Christian. Supreme Court. Done, said, determined. We've gone from that to you can't pray in this public school system. What do you have there in your hand? Is that a Bible? You're out. You know what the funny thing, not funny, really, it's actually sad, it's not funny. You know what strikes me about that? You cannot read the Bible in the public high school, but they give you one when you go to prison. You think maybe if we flip that, we wouldn't have as many needing it in prison? If we started handing out Bibles in high school, we might not need as many in prison. I just, I just wonder about that. You talk about a nation being in the balance. Just imagine with me this morning, if you would, a scale. In the beginning of this great nation, it was tipped in favor of righteousness. And men like Patrick Henry who declared this to be a Christian nation. Or Abraham Lincoln, who said, it is impossible to govern without God in the Bible. Thomas Jefferson, the God who gave us life, gave us liberty. These men understood our dependency upon Almighty God. They recognized His His sovereign will over us, Today, they're trying to rewrite history to the detriment of the truth. Imagine that scale that one time was so steeped and heavy with righteous thinking and godly thinking and understanding who the true God of heaven is. And the other side was like this. I think it's what we have today. And maybe it's not quite that. But if we don't take a stand... It will be. You understand that? If we do not start taking a stand for truth and righteousness, it will be. This is important. Nineteen fifty six we adopted as our motto in God we trust. Talking about that scale. Nineteen fifty six In God we trust. In 1954, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Try to get that through Congress today. You think that would happen? I don't think so. In Daniel chapter 5, Belshazzar was king of Babylon. This is where he sees the handwriting on the wall, and Daniel comes and interprets that handwriting for him. And God's hand had written on Belshazzar's wall because he had defiled the things of God. 
mocked the things of God. And God wrote on the wall, Thou art weighed in the balances and are found wanting. If God were to write on our walls of Congress today, not just the Congress, our churches, our churches, what would be said? Now here's the important part. If you, didn't, if you don't hear anything else I've said today, Listen to this. America has not been so greatly blessed because God chose her. God is no respecter of persons in this present dispensation of grace. His chosen nation, Israel, has been put in abeyance. It has been temporary. Israel is temporarily blinded during this day of grace where God offers salvation to all. It has nothing to do with His covenant agreement, His covenant made to Israel. God's offering salvation to all based on His matchless grace. So God is not working through nations during this period of time. God did not choose America. But America's founders chose God. America's founders chose God. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And we need to make sure that we remember that verse. We remember that truth all the days of our lives. I think the one question... That what is the most dangerous and pressing issue facing this nation today is what Isaiah 5.20 was talking about. Woe to them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness. That's where we are today as a nation, as a world actually. Where right has become wrong and wrong has become right. You take a stand for what's true and righteous, you are mocked, you are ridiculed, you are called old-fashioned, and a lot of other words. But that's no excuse for his believers in the Lord Jesus Christ not to stand on the truth of God's Word. Perhaps it's going to come to the point, and I'm not so sure we're not that far from there. It's going to come to the point where we're going to have to agree with apostles with the apostles, just as they were coming under intense persecution and trials and trouble, and they were said, don't you do this, what did they say? We ought to obey God rather than man. Perhaps we are fast approaching that time. And there's going to come a time we're going to have to make some decisions. But until then, We're going to keep preaching. We're going to keep praying. We're going to keep witnessing. We're going to keep looking to God to direct our actions, to direct our lives. We're going to keep praying for His his blessings. We are a nation in balance, or a nation in the balance. We need to remember that freedom is not free. 
As a matter of fact, realize that freedom is probably one of the most fragile things in existence. It's been lost by so many. It requires eternal vigilance. And freedom and liberty as we know it can only be maintained, can only be enjoyed when there is this, and defended, and defended, when we understand that our freedoms, our liberties come from God, not government. When we get to the point where we take a stand and we tell those that we have put in office, make sure they understand you are not our rulers, you work for us. We've got to get that. We, we don't owe you anything, you owe us. We have got to turn that back over on his head where they understand who their bosses are, we the people. Freedom is not free. It takes vigilance. It takes sacrifice and courage. But you throw out that fact. The foundation of liberty is followed by tyranny. Freedom only comes from God. You can't take it away. If government gives you liberty, what can they do? They can, hey, we gave it to you, we can take it away. But if it didn't come from them, if it comes from God himself, government can't take away something that they didn't give to us. Here's what we're needing in this country. Turn with me to Ezekiel, and then we'll be done. Ezekiel chapter 22. Ezekiel 22. Israel was facing some similar problems. Their rulers, their leaders, even their preachers were doing some dastardly things. In Ezekiel 22, start with verse 24. Tim? Well, let's start with, uh, yeah, 23. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, this is Ezekiel, Son of man, say unto her, talking about Israel, Thou art the land that is not cleansed, nor reigned upon in the day of indignation. There is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof, like a roaring lion ravening the prey. They have devoured souls. They have taken the treasury and precious things. They have made her many widows in the midst thereof. Her priests have violated my law and have profaned my holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean and have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths, and I am profaned among them. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves, ravening the prey, to shed blood and destroy souls, to get dishonest gain. Her prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar, seeing vanity and divining lives unto them, saying, 
Thus saith the Lord God, when the Lord hath not spoken. The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy, yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. Verse 30. What a powerful verse this is, folks. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it but I found none how sad that is you hear that God saw all the wickedness he saw all the problems he saw what was going on with his people and he said I looked for a man among them who would stand against me and say God you can't do this God please don't do this I'll stay faithful I'll praise you. I'll work for you. I'll stand on your word. I I will go out and, and do everything I can in order to draw the people back to you. But Lord, don't destroy them. Don't take vengeance. Don't do this. God says, I look for a man to build up the hedge and to stand, build a hedge around them of protection and stand in the gap and saying, God, you can't do this. See, that's what God wants. Isn't that interesting? That's what God wants. Or courageous men who will make sure that the people understand what God's Word says, what God's Word declares, but also stand and remind God of His grace and His mercy and His undying love. Folks, I want us to be a church like that. I want us to be made up of people who have the courage to stand on God's Word And not bow a knee to convenience, to comfort, but only to the true God of heaven. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning and how we thank you for this nation. Father, we come recognizing that you did not choose this nation. But Father, how thankful we are that our founding fathers and so many of Others who came after them chose you. But Father, we come this morning recognizing that it's not blessed is the nation whose God was the Lord, but is. Father, may we recognize the fact that it's It's not the fact that they put Scripture on great buildings and that they have chosen mottos that honor you. Father, that was then. This is now. And Father, you are calling men and women to take a stand for your truth. Father, may we be up to that task. And may we never, never take a knee to anything but you. Father, I pray this morning that every person here knows you as Savior. That that issue has been settled. The most important issue of all is they have been made new creations because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. By faith, they have trusted you for their salvation. They have recognized that they were sinners, that they were lost. They were on their way to hell. There was no hope outside of the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. 
Father, I pray the Holy Spirit will convict this very moment. Move on the hearts of those who do not know you as Savior. Father, may they understand your love and your grace and your mercy and by faith believe that you died for them, that you rose again for them. We thank you for that plan of salvation. We also thank you for this nation. We thank you for how you've blessed us so abundantly. We praise your name for it. And we pray these names in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord, who is the Savior, the Redeemer of mankind. Amen.